Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a certified professional coach specializing in confidence, mindfulness, and joy. I've got an amazing episode for you this week with Lissa Mahalik. Before we get into that, let's talk about the concept of beginner's mind. This is a Zen Buddhist concept. And when I've shared about it before, I've found that some people sometimes bristle at the term beginner, saying, oh, well, I'm not a beginner. The premise behind the beginner's mind is this simple sentence, which I may be quoting directly, but I'm pretty sure I'm butchering it slightly, that in the expert's mind, there are a few possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are many. When we go into something thinking, I know how to do it, I've been doing this for years, or I've got a master's degree or some sort of graduate degree in this, or I've been on top of the podium in this skill. We go in, it's, it's almost like with a bit of armor on. We do not go in open. We go in closed, ready to do what we know how to do, ready to show that we know how to do something. When we approach something with a beginner's mind, the opposite is true. We are wide open. We are ready to learn. It doesn't mean that we are going to believe that everything that another person tells us is true. It simply means that we are open and we are curious. It doesn't matter where you are in your level of quote expertise in something. You could be a PhD. You could be doing this thing for 60 years. You could be hailed as a guru in this area and still have a beginner's mind because a beginner's mind allows you to learn something every single time you do something. A beginner's mind allows you to learn something from every single conversation you have. An expert mind closes you off. My, the most powerful experience I had with this was when I was coaching triathletes. I was coaching swimming for triathletes. And the group was broken up into beginner, intermediate, and master's. And the beginners all came in saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, which was not true. But for this instance, it really helped them. The intermediates all came in saying, I know what I'm doing. I just haven't practiced in a while. The progress from those two groups who were training the same amount of time in the pool over that six-week period in the pool the beginners who held on to that beginner mindset of, I'm open, I am curious, I'm here to learn, I'm here to progress, versus those in the intermediate group who came and saying, I already know how to do it. I just want to do it. The difference was remarkable. 
I learned so much from that. It confirmed so much for me how much I want to have a beginner's mind in every single thing I do. I set my intention every Monday and I, I share that. And a lot of times my intention is to have a beginner's mind. When I go into a race, it certainly is to have a beginner's mind. When I go into a workout, it's certainly to have a beginner's mind. If I go into a workout thinking, oh, I know I can hit that pace or I know I can't hit that pace, that's, eh, it's, it's rigid. I would so much rather go and being like, huh, let's see what happens. I wonder if I can hit that. So I'm sharing this with you today for you to do whatever you want with it, for you to tuck this away in the back of your mind and maybe ask yourself how you can be more curious. Maybe ask yourself how you could step into a beginner's mind. Maybe ask yourself what it would look like to step into a beginner's mind in whatever it is you're doing. In one sense, having a beginner's mind is looking at the world with a sense of awe. And as you know, the word awesome means filled with awe. So what would it be like to look around whatever you're looking at right now with awe? That is my invitation to you this week. Now on to this episode with Lissa Mahalik. She is a movement hacker who can show you how to access your body's natural healing protocols using only movement. She's had her own experience with injuries, with pain, and then with pain-free movement. This conversation is really interesting to me. I'm a total nerd. And in the conversation, Lissa teaches us something that I don't want to spoil right now, that I say in the episode, oh, I think I might make a meditation about that. I made the meditation and the link to that meditation will be in the show notes. That's all for this week. Enjoy the episode. Oh, but first, please share this episode, share every episode that you love. Please support the podcast by subscribing, by giving us a five-star rating, by leaving a review on iTunes, by sharing with everybody and please shout out to me on social media i'm at kelsey abbott cpc on instagram lissa is at somatic anatomy we would love your support thank you so 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 much go forth and be awesome welcome to the find your awesome podcast my guest today is lissa mahalik and she calls herself a body hacker or a movement hacker. Now I'm not, I'm not sure I got it right, but it, whatever, it's amazing. And I want to talk about it. <laughs> Welcome, Lissa. Thanks, Kelsey. Okay, so which is it? Are you a body hacker or a movement hacker? Movement hacker. Body hacker only in the anatomy labs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. I suppose body hacker might be kind of violent. <laughs> okay, so only on dead people. And movement hacker, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that I use movement patterns to rearrange your body. And not just, okay, I can get you out of pain, because yeah, I can do that and it's weirdly fast. But I can also use movement patterns to change your mental state. So are you feeling sleepy? You need that like three o'clock, you know, Coke and Snickers bar, been there, done that. <laughs> or do you get up and do a few stretching and breathing exercises 
and then bam, get back to your work and not feel, you know, not get the sugar crash afterwards. Huh. Okay. Where do we want to go first? Um, I want to go to both of those. So let's go someplace completely different. And will you share your story of how you got here? Oh my goodness. Um, it's a good story. It's a, it's a relatively long story. So I'll try to be a little less rambly. Um, basically, I have always been interested in human movement efficiency. I mean, like literally when I was 15, I was teaching whitewater kayaking. And the most important thing in whitewater kayaking is stroke efficiency. Because if you're not efficient in strokes, you're going to get your arms and shoulders tired out because you're not using your core and your legs and the rest of your body. And you're going to be able to boat all day, which means you will have less fun. So the whole point is to have more fun. You know, which is, which actually is still with me. It's the whole point of, of having a body is to have more fun with that. Take that however you like. <laughs> and, you know, the, the more effectively you can use your body for whitewater kayaking, the more, the longer you can stay out, the more, you know, the more enders you can pop, the more holes you can surf, the more fun you can have. So then later on, I, I took a little digression into other, you know, into other things. I was, I worked on a magazine for a while, but eventually I ended up becoming a personal trainer because one, I realized that magazine work was really not me because it involves sitting around way too much. So I became a personal trainer, immediately signed up for the geekiest continuing ed they had because it was the most interesting to me. So I learned all the origins and all the insertions. I think maybe not all of them, but most of them. And I just kept getting more and more technical as it moved on. I had, I have like three different Pilates certifications, most of which have expired, but one of them I still have. And I ended up in somatic movement therapy, mostly by asking people, wow, what you do is really cool and interesting. Where did you learn it? Can you um, define somatic for us, please? Ha, ah, that is an excellent question. Somatic just means mind let's see i was going to say it means mind body connection but that's not actually super accurate um the discipline of somatics just doesn't recognize any difference between the mind and the body the mm. body is the mind the mind is the body and frankly it should be not so much called somatics as called reality descartes has been dead a long time people you know, there's the whole cartesian duality of oh there's the mind and the body and just for a really interesting aside that from what from what i understand that came about because the the church and the medical community got into big fights over who was in charge of what part of the body oh. so we came up with this mind body or spirit body dualism it's like okay the church is in charge of the spirit we get to dissect the rest because that way we can actually learn something about the body and maybe fix people instead of just letting them die of stupid things so, that is fascinating and that has persisted Damn straight it has. Wow. People are still looking at their bodies as brain taxis. One of my favorite terms. I wish it were mine, but I can't remember who that actually is. That's a good one. But yeah, it's like the mind is the body. The body is the mind. And that's just, you know, evolutionarily, developmentally, it's how we grow. I'm sitting with that for a second. So, because I'm thinking about, you know, these little things happened thousands of years ago, the impact that has had 
on so many people are so in their head, completely disconnected from their bodies. Then um, something I see when I work with athletes is some athletes, they train their bodies so well, like as a fine tuned machine. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to training their minds, n- nah. Not a thing. Not one little thing. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Phones that reduce us to two eyeballs and a couple of thumbs. That's true. I mean, that's, I understand that we're on a podcast here and we're, we're using screens and computers and phones, etc. but there's a whole world out there, my friends. A yeah. World. Yeah. I'm big on screen boundaries these days, internet boundaries. It's really important. Yeah. Um, back to your story. Mm-hmm. So Pilates, personal training, Pilates, somatic, somatic, somatic awareness. Yeah. It's somatic movement therapy. And okay. I'm actually a registered somatic movement therapist and educator, you know, because one, we have a certifying body. Yay. Um, and two letters after your name were fun. <laughs> but what does it mean what it you know what it means is that i am you know i have spent a couple of years working on this stuff i've passed tests i've gotten certifications and the international somatic movement education and therapy association i think i got that right ismeta i-s-m-e-t-a recognizes that i've done my work i know my stuff you can swear on this podcast there's no need to censor yourself. Exactly. Oh, really? Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'm like, oh, cough. Yeah. So, so they recognize that I know my shit and I can go out and perform my shit and not break people, essentially. You know, I've done enough work. I qualify to not break people. Okay. So, and what do you, like, what kind of people come to you? It's, I tend to work with, uh, post rehab people. I've always been super interested in rehabbing injuries. So I had a, I had a manager in one of my gyms who would call me, Oh, you're the old lady trainer. Do you really want to do that? I'm like, yeah, old ladies have the most interesting injuries. (laughs) Why? What's interesting about it? Um, because, uh, because in general injuries are interesting to me, the longer you've lived, the more experience your body has and the, the more you've done with your body. And I'm sure you see this with athletes, the more, things your body has gone through. And sometimes, you know, those things are, oh, dislocated your shoulder. Oops. Or, oh, you know, chronic hip tendonitis for a couple of years. So after the, you know, the longer somebody has been around, the more things their body has gone through and the more fun I get to have sorting that stuff out. What, when you're working with somebody, what's, what's your role and what's your client's role? Uh, It depends on how we're working. If we're working in, you know, in a lot, in an in-person session, face-to-face, then a lot of, a lot of what I do is moving people through the series of exercises that will unkink whatever's going on with their body that day. I have, uh, I still have a couple of old ladies that I work with from that time period. And you know, one of the things we're doing is let's put off those hip replacements as long as we can. 
and we're at the point where she's like, yeah, I probably should get a hip replacement, but it doesn't hurt enough, so they won't give it to me. I'm like, really? <laughs> part of me is like, yay, I'm so glad it doesn't hurt. Part of me is like, but we all know you need that hip replacement that's starting to mess with your spine beyond what we can fix. Mm. That's a little frustrating sometimes. Um, but a lot of what I do is, again, postural readjustment. And in the in-person sessions, we're actually moving through the exercises ourselves. And then I'm going to give you homework that you need to go home and do so you can maintain it. I also do online sessions. They're a lot shorter because, as you may have noticed, I fire hose people with information. Like, hold on, if you're lucky, something will be left in your brain when I'm done. And what, you know, so what I'll do is I'll keep it to maybe 15, 20 minutes. I'll take a look at what you're, how you move, how your body is set up, and what you're telling me is about what hurts. I'll say, all right, we're going to try these things. So it's my job to figure out what the most efficient kind of silver bullet exercise is for you that week. And it's your job to listen to me and actually do it so that I can see how well your body is taking in the information and adapting to it. And then it would be your job to go out and practice that for the rest of the week until we meet again and say like, all right, you know, I did it and you know, my shoulder now feels better, but now my back hurts. So, okay, that makes sense because of, you know, because of that pattern that we saw in your body and how we can fix that. Yeah. I remember early on when I was working with somebody who does not have your expertise, but I was trying to un unwind. I was in a car accident in 2004 and I, my body still holds on to pieces of that experience and I was unwinding part of it. Mm. So, and the person I worked with was like, you may feel some stuff that you haven't felt for years. Yep. Old injuries are going to crop up. And it was really interesting for me knowing that going into it. And then that kind of told me that's not real. When the, when like that part of my body started speaking up, yep. like when my calf started being like, um, Hey, we don't feel quite right. I was like, don't worry. You're okay. Yeah. We're just moving through that. You're yeah. Yeah. What's always fascinating to me is when people, and this is the other, this is the other job of the people who work with me is to notice what's happening mentally because somatics, somatics, it's not a metaphor. <laughs> so it, I mean, it isn't like sometimes people like they need to get your head out of the clouds or you need to bring yourself down to earth. We can do that physically. But I was working with one woman who really who was having a lot of difficulties with her hips. She was not one of my old ladies. She was one of my young ladies. And when we started opening up her hips and getting the mechanics working correctly, she was like, wow, I am like, I'm having these crazy dreams and all these feelings are coming up that I haven't felt since I last moved like this. I'm like, that is totally normal. Don't freak out. It's a thing that happens because things get held in the body. I mean, literally, mind is body, body is mind. Neurotransmitters get stuck in sticky tissues. And then you release them and they go out. And you're like, oh my gosh, I remember this. I mean, also, you know how we have, okay, it's, it's a French philosopher's day. So, you know, you have the famous Madeleine. You eat the Madeleine and you have that, that taste takes you back. So, or the scent of something takes you back. Well, the movement takes you back too. The movement patterns of your body can take you back. So, 
Yeah, it can be a little disturbing sometimes, but sometimes it's really freeing and beautiful. Can it take you back if if there's something you need to heal, for instance, like take you back so you can heal that? Sometimes I tend to work more on the physical side than the mental side. I have plenty of people that I refer to when we get, okay, we are now we are now outside my scope of practice. But yeah, it's actually a lot of what I do is I do some, I do developmental movement patterns because sometimes you literally need to go back to when you were learning how to move and not only learn how to move more efficiently, but kind of get through whatever it was, like get the support you needed, literally get the physical support you needed to be able to move through whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. And combining the two yeah. is seriously effective. Oh my gosh. Wait, you cut out there for a second. What's seriously effective? Combining the two is seriously effective. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I actually, when I was working with the same practitioner, uh, one of my exercises was crawling mm-hmm. at the time. Super hard for me. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's oh. a reason that oh, yeah. we have these foundational movement patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have a nine year old, so we crawl around a lot. Yeah. And if you don't have a nine-year-old or someone younger, maybe get on the floor right now and try crawling. See how you are at it. See if you have to think your way through it. Mm-hmm. And if you do have to think your way through it, start reaching forward with your hands to get yourself forward. Mm. It's a reach pattern. It's not a push pattern. Oh, okay. So is that, when it, is that, do we have reach patterns and push patterns? Are those like the two either or? It's actually, um, <laughs> developmental movement in 30 seconds or less it, it kind of stacks like first there's yield then push then reach grasp pull and then you have and then you're so sophisticated you have a choice you can either absorb or release what does yield mean i understand all the others yield is, yield is, is coming into gravity it's this is the cool thing about being a movement nerd and having a kid because mm-hmm. studying somatic movement therapy when my kid was really small. And so you see like, oh, there's, there's a specific reflex. It's called the tonic labyrinthine reflex. When you see it in a book and you hear it and you're like seeing a description, it makes no sense because what it really is, is a yielding down into gravity. Like, oh, there's the ground and allowing the ground to support you. And when you see a baby kind of settling down and you're like, look, look, there's the tonic lab reflex. This is so cool. And everyone's like, uh, why are you freaking out? I'm like, no, you don't get it. This is awesome. And then you take a deep breath. You're like, yes, yes. I'm, I'm a normal human being, but I'm really not. I'm just saying. <laughs> I get excited about this stuff. Oh my God. But yeah, so it's, it's the way that I find easiest to describe it is the yield is kind of the prep before the jump. If you jump with straight legs, you're not getting anywhere. The yield is getting down into your squat, into your prep, getting into the ground and connecting to the earth. Because if you don't have the yield, you can't push. Can we just extend that to life for a second? (laughs) It's not a metaphor, I tell you. It's not. So like allowing gravity to support you, sinking into gravity, allowing yourself to calm down so you're getting lower Mm -hmm. in preparation of going higher. Yep. It's 
the real thing coming down, allowing your energy to coil, to prepare, to propel. Yeah. I love that so much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. There were other things I wanted to talk to you about. I already forget them. So instead I want to go to, um, just the body. What do you want? If you could teach the world, like get up on your soapbox or, or paint a billboard or whatever it is, what do you want everyone on this planet to know about their bodies? That your body is actually your friend Mm. and it can take care of you and more so if you take care of it. I mean, your body is absolutely your friend. It is so smart and its job is to keep us alive. That's why we get into so many messed up movement patterns because our body is like, well, let's see, you've got an injury here, but at any point we might have to run away from a tiger. So instead of protecting that injury and like, and just holding still and letting it heal, I'm going to work around it so that I can run away from any tigers that happen to show up while that thing's healing. Mm. You know, our body is always trying to get itself back to homeostasis, chemically speaking. You know, we're trying to balance our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous systems. Pardon me, it's geek time here. (laughs) So when we, you know, so when we get into an imbalance in there, partly this is, this is why when you're really stressed out and you have a good night's sleep, you feel so much more tired. You're like, wait, I just slept. Why am I feeling so tired? Like, well, yeah, because your parasympathetic, I speak English. I swear to God, I really do. Because your parasympathetic nervous system is saying, thank God it's my turn finally. You know, the parasympathetic system is the, is the rest and digest and the sympathetic is the fight or flight. So we balance those two out and we stay awake and functioning, but we also don't freak. We're not all freaking out all the time. It's- Which most people are constantly in that flight or fight or flight, fight and freeze. Yeah, most people are just, just hanging out in there. Yes, and then there's the whole vagus nerve, and that gets that gets so complicated. I'm just going to say the words vagus nerve and yeah. talk about that some other time. Yep, I'm with you on that. That was a good decision. <laughs> it's so cool. That's so cool. <clears throat> Anyhow, yes. So our bodies, it's interesting because I think a lot of people mentally struggle with adapting, struggle with when things aren't going their way, they get frustrated. And adapting is a feels like an impossibility to some people. Whereas, like, look, let's look at this: our body is adapting every single second, constantly, because our body wants to keep moving. Yeah, our body wants us to keep us alive, to keep us functioning, to keep us moving forward. You know, like, really, our body wants us to live our best life. Mm-hmm. And we, quit, we drink booze, we smoke cigarettes, we work out way too hard. We like, we hate our bellies, you know? And it's like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, no, your body is actually your friend that's trying to help you. Here's, okay, here, so here's one of my favorite things that I've been doing lately. You can just kind of bring your hands to your heart. And you notice as you breathe that your hands, you know, your ribcage moves. That's pretty cool. So here's the thing is that your lungs are sitting on either side of your heart. And every time you inhale, your lungs expand. You just kind of wrap your arms around yourself pretty tight. And inhale, let your lungs fill. 
kind of feel how you're giving yourself a hug? This is happening every breath you take. Every damn breath you take, your heart gets a hug. I love that. Right? It's even better when you have three people and you have like one person on either side of you being along and they take a breath in. You're like, oh, this is the best. But yeah, it's even when you're not, even when you're having trouble loving yourself and giving yourself the love that you need, every damn breath you take, your heart is getting a hug. So you are giving yourself love, whether you want to or not. So suck it up, yo. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. So even if you are struggling with loving yourself, with loving your body, like this is such an amazing example of the fact that that is all in your head. Yeah. Your body, as much as, you know, there's no separation, but like, you're the one creating this, mm-hmm. this story. Your body is still like, no, I love you. I yeah. love you. I love you. It's just, <laughs> so <laughs> kind of random, totally random. But one of the campgrounds we stayed at did, this is when we traveled the country in a camper for 16 months. And we were lucky enough to be at this one campground that did, they did Halloween big and they did Christmas big. Ooh. Meaning that, I get so many Christmas decorations and I, I love Christmas decorations. And this one, a camper had this giant teddy bear and the teddy bear hugged. And I sure like we were walking past it and I was like, I'm, I'm going, there was like a little mat. You could stand in front of the teddy bear. You had to time it. Right. You stand in front of the teddy bear and hug him. And he hugged you back. And then it released and, oh, I shared, I shared the video on social media and it was interesting too. I was like, this is pretty much the best in my life. And the, I got the responses, like half people were like, oh my God, I love it. Half the people were like, freakiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but literally we're being hugged all the time. All the time. Absolutely. All the time. And if, if you're breathing harder, you're getting hugged faster. Right? So if you're freaking out, or also, this is, sometimes I think that that's one of the reasons people talk about, okay, deep breaths. Mm. One, yes, because it helps activate your parasympathetic nervous system, but also your, your heart gets a better hug. If you're breathing kind of like high enough in your chest, you're not getting a great hug there. Yeah. Deep in, deep out, that's a proper hug. You know, it's not, it's not like one of those little pat, pat, hi, I'm hugging you because like I'm supposed to hug you, but I don't really want to. Versus like, ah, I'm so happy to see you big hug. I'm thinking about too when I had pneumonia. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't getting good hugs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My, but, my lungs were trying so hard to hug. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't working. Nope. They needed a different kind of support. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I just went from like, like, hey, you know, somatics, it's your friend, to like deep. Yeah, let's keep going deep. Right? I, like here. I love this idea. It's like, because I, I can do stuff like, all right, here, readjust your hips and your foot that way, your knee will stop hurting. But you're like this, wow, it stopped hurting. Yes, exactly. To like, you're having a hug with every breath you take. Which honestly, I think is one of the reasons somatics isn't super well known, because there's a lot in here. 
it's hard to explain in like 10 seconds or less. We've got more time here. Fabulous. Let's keep going. Yeah. Where do you want to take us next? Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Actually, I would say that let's, you know, the name of my company is Somatic Anatomy. So let's start talking about anatomy and how it relates. Because here's the thing, like for me, when you understand the structures that are involved, then you can affect them differently. You know, also, anatomy is really cool and I love the way that joints work. <laughs> so I basically got into this because I really like finding out more stuff about stuff. So I've got a question for you. Why do we have a kneecap and not an elbow cap? Ooh, ooh, this is an awesome question. Um, kneecaps, and we actually have essentially a kneecap on the bottom of our foot. All right, if you grab your, your, your foot right now, and you get, grab your big toe, and right behind your big toe is your first toe knuckle. Yeah. That mofo is huge. If you re reach the second knuckle, second toe knuckle, it feels tiny, right? It's uh -huh. there's something wrong or you have bunions or whatever. It's because your big toe knuckle has a kneecap too. Huh. It's, you know, anyone, anyone who's ever cracked one of these will know, but you have a, a pis you have two pisiform bones down there. Like two little, they're called sesamoid bones because they're it's the same root as sesame seed because they're like little round bones. So your kneecap is the same thing. So the, the thing that those two that sesamoid bones do both in the kneecap and in the bottom of the foot is one that protect the joint. The elbow has a lot of protection already. We'll get, into, we'll get into the shape of the ulna in a second because the elbow is actually one of my favorite joints because it's so underrated. So the elbow has plenty of protection as it is. The knee and the bottom and your first metatarsal joint, um, metatarsophalangeal joint, your first toe knuckle, that's just, easier to say and more clear. So your first toe knuckle and your knee, they don't have that protection. Also, they take a lot more abuse. If you don't, we don't walk on our elbows. We don't kneel on our elbows. So when you kneel or when you walk, then those joints are always getting pounded. So having a little extra protection over the joint itself is really useful. The other thing that your kneecap and your, you know, your toe cap do are like, it, it's actually kind of like a pulley system. So the knee, the kneecap gives your quadriceps a little bit of a mechanical advantage so your quads can straighten your leg better. Huh. And the sesamoid bones in the bottom of your feet, they give your big toe extra advantage. Your big toe actually has a fuckload of muscles. Like it has extra muscles attached to it, which is why it's, it's so much easier to move your big toe separately from the rest of them. Mm -hmm. But it's all, it's, it's got thicker bones. It's got more muscles. That is your pushing off digit essentially for your feet. So with that extra little, you know, instead of the line going straight, the line kind of goes down and around. So it's like, you've got this little pulley action. So your those muscles have a mechanical advantage. They can produce more force. You can push off harder. You can escape the tiger. You don't get eaten. Evolution wins. Yeah. You know? Thank you. Big toes, right? Big toes are awesome. That's why they're called great toes. Yes, because they're great. <laughs> <laughs> that always makes me giggle. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the elbow doesn't need protection because again, we don't walk on it, but also because the shape of the ulna, which is the forearm bone that comes down here a little, a little bigger. Always remember, you got two bones in your forearm. The radius is on the thumb side because the radius is rad. Oh, rad. Thumbs up, rad. 
for rad. the radius. And then the ulna is not rad. So. <laughs> but the ulna is also very cool. It comes down, it gets really big, and the, the point of your elbow is actually the, it's mostly the ulna, and the ulna makes this like C shape. So it is a true hinge joint. It's like the, the round bit around the hinge, and then, you know, your humerus is actually the pin in the hinge. So it's okay. So the ulna kind of covers for yeah. The, the ulna covers most of this, except of course for that ulnar nerve, which is when you bunk your elbow wrong, you go ah, funny bone. Yeah. Because a direct whack on a nerve is never fun. No. Yeah, that sucks. But yeah, anatomy. It's super fun. <laughs> Thank you. I've been wondering that for a long time. Thank you. It is. It is my pleasure to sort that out. But yeah, it's when. But again, now that you understand the structure, it's like oh, okay. And this is why keeping your patella tracking straight is really important because otherwise you're, you know, otherwise your quadriceps are pulling it off center. One, your knee's going to hurt. And two, it's not doing the job that it evolved to do. Mm -hmm. So again, you understand the structures, then you can organize them. And then you've got your options. Like, okay, now I know what I can do. And then of course you can start having fun because fun, damn it. Is play a big value of yours? <clears throat> it really is. I have not been enjoying it nearly as much as I ought to, but I just had a, a nice infusion of play the other week when I was hanging out with, you know, all my nerd buddies. And really, like, why have a body if you're not enjoying it? You know, just like upload yourself to the internet and call it quits. Except then you'd be living with all the cat videos and the trolls. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, you know, and seriously, like, if you've got a body, enjoy it. Like, go around and do things with it. I mean, when you move your body, it can be a really enjoyable experience, and not just sexually speaking, because that's the thing. A lot of people are used to only feeling pleasure in their bodies when it comes to sex, you know, which is totally cool, all for sex. Sex should be fun. Thank you very much. But you can have fun in your body that isn't sexual. You can have, like, you know, not everybody is super excited about exercise, but for those of us who are, like, you know, you get the runner's high, you get like, oh man, like I just did, I, I just accomplished something really cool that I couldn't, I've jumped higher, I've run farther, I've lifted more weights. That feels badass. Yeah. I have yet to, to hear anybody say like, man, I went to the gym today and I'm really sorry I went. <laughs> you know, nobody's ever sorry they went to the gym. They're, they'll do everything to keep from going there, but once you go, you're like, yeah, okay, I, I'm really glad I did that. Because you know, our bodies are supposed to move. Our bodies are supposed to move. And again, like the design of our joints or the evolution of our joints, I'm going to be specific about it. We have evolved to climb stuff, to run, and quite possibly to dance also, given the way that our, you know, that, that our joints work as levers. Because we, like, we have this... And I'm not super, after, after all that discussion on joints, I will say that there's a limit to my arthrokinematics. <laughs> like at a certain point, I'm like, okay, joints, yeah, they do things. But the, the way that our levers work, they work really well for artistic expression. Like we can wave our arms, we can dance, we can have a good time. And there's also a buttload of research that talks about dancing, especially in communities together with other people as being an amazing way to create a flow state, to, you know, to bring your mind to a new level and to create amazing amounts of connection among people. Yes. Group flow. Group flow. It's a thing. 
was put on some music with a bunch of friends and like turn the lights down enough so nobody feels self-conscious. Because mm-hmm. once you start really dancing, the self-consciousness actually goes away. Yeah. You know? I'm like, yay, you're dancing like a goofball. Yeah, so am I. Woo! Yeah, so our bodies are, they're like a, a tool for play, a tool that facilitates, I don't know if that's the right word, connection. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hugging us every beat. Always. Which actually, I'm like, oh wait, the, every breath. Yeah. Every breath, not every beat. I just love that. I'm just going to sit with that for a second again. That's what my meditation is going to be tomorrow morning. I'm just going to focus on hugging my heart. It's kind of a wonderful thing. Yeah. I might record a meditation. I may have just been inspired to create a new meditation for my people. A heart hugging meditation. We'll do that. Yeah. Because it's happening. Every mm-hmm. breath you take. <sighs> Hugs. Hugs from the inside. Yeah. It's kind of a reminder that you're never alone. Even if there's no other human near you at this time, mm-hmm. you're still you're still getting hugs. Absolutely. Your body loves you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> your body loves you and your body wants to have fun with you. <laughs> and your body wants you to have fun. Your body does want you to have fun. Like we have so many pleasure receptors. Let's go and like use them. Mm-hmm. So, so many people these days don't use their bodies for fun. Right. Other than maybe the occasional sex. Mm-hmm. But they're walking through the grocery store, maybe, mm-hmm. hopefully. hopefully. Um, they're in their cars driving to work. They're sitting at their desks. Mm-hmm. They're going home, maybe, hopefully, standing up and moving around the kitchen to cook dinner sitting to eat, plopping in front of the TV, going to bed. Yeah. What does that do to us? Like, what does it do to our bodies? What does it do to our minds? Um, the mind is the body. The body is the mind. Yes. yes. <laughs> one of the, actually, I'd say one of the most obvious physiological consequences is that we stop our physical flow. So if we you think about, we're just going to go into body systems briefly for a minute. And so when we're talking about body systems, we're talking about musculoskeletal system, integumentary system, the skin, internal organs. We're talking about the various fluid systems. We've got the blood, the lymph, um, interstitial fluid, all these things, specifically with the fluid. Now, the only pump we technically have in our body is the heart. And there's actually a lot of really interesting research going on that says the heart is less of an actual pump than it's a regulator that keeps the flow going. So it's, again, you know, at some point my, my knowledge does reach a limit, but don't worry, I'll probably bust past that in, in a little while. But um, <clears throat> so a lot of the movement that we do, especially regular movement like walking or running or, you know, back when we were agricultural, farming it's a lot of repetitive movement but it's repetitive full body movement it's not repetitive sitting in front of the computer typing movement so repetitive full body movement acts as a pump so our muscles then act as a pump for our fluids 
So if the heart is our only pump, okay, that's great. That works great for the blood system. So, you know, goes out the arteries, comes in the veins, the blood flows. That's great. However, at the end of that, the blood, you know, it gets into the capillaries and then a lot of the fluid actually just flows out of the capillaries and becomes interstitial fluid, which keeps our, you know, our, did I mention I speak English? It keeps all of our cells from drying out. But the other thing is that eventually that interstitial fluid goes into our lymphatic ducts and becomes lymph. The important thing about lymph is it's part of our immune system. Yes, it is. So it helps get all the gunk out of our bodies, sort it through our lymph nodes and kidneys and get the ick out. If we are not moving enough, those fluids are not flowing. The lymph is not doing its thing. Things are stagnating. Now, if you think about the term stagnant, you ever seen a stagnant pond? You don't want that in your body. This is not a good thing. You want your body to be fresh and flowing and lovely. So just from a straight up physiological perspective, you want your body moving and you want your body moving a bunch. And does it have to be intense movement? You know, it actually doesn't. It, it should be fairly frequent movement, but I would say that if you are not moving, any movement you add is a good thing. You don't have to get up and like go to CrossFit. My best friends do CrossFit, but I mock them for it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a whole discussion back and forth as it is. But um, yeah, it's like you don't have to get up and kill yourself, but you do have to get up and move. And I'd actually the I have you know I have my little movement watch here. It's not a Fitbit or anything. It's but the one thing it will do is if I've been holding still for more than an hour, it'll like be poke poke time to move. So even even when I'm in the middle of writing something and I'm like God damn it, there goes my flow. Mm -hmm. I and I'll do I don't know like even just like ten jump squats and get back to it. I do that because it's something I don't usually do. I don't do plyometric movement and I don't really deep squat that often. So it's like, fine, get it in now, done, back to my flow. Um, but I also live in New York City, so I walk a lot. And that is extremely helpful because walking is one of those fabulous things that really gets your flow moving, especially good high speed walking like you do in New York because, yo, I got places to go and shit to do. Um, <laughs> So true. New Yorkers walk fast. Oh my God, we totally do. <laughs> but you're not originally from New York City, are you? No, I'm, I'm actually a, a native Washingtonian, and that's D.C., not state. Yeah, but D.C. walking is slower than New York City. It is. It's it, not slow. It's, it's not slow, but everything is slower than New York City, except possibly Hong Kong. <laughs> Haven't been there, but yes. I imagine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like just in general, any, if you can, if you're not moving a lot, any movement you can do will be good. Mm -hmm. Or already moving a lot, you know, then it gets, then it gets complicated because you might be moving too much. You know, I, I have moments where I'm like, okay, maybe like 45 minutes of cardio and two hours of Kung Fu is a little bit too much for today. That's when I tend to get sick actually when I, Pull that shit on myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that's something I noticed with my training. I don't have the move alert set on my watch because if I've just done a four-hour workout, quite frankly, I don't want to hear "get up and move." Own some fucking couch time. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, uh, I'm supposed to sit right now. Although, actually, I have to say that even when I have had the big movement days, there's still the question of stagnating fluids. Mm -hmm. And like, all right, like we've gone over the waterfall. That's awesome. Woo, the waterfall. That was great. And now, okay, we're kind of drifting slowly along the plains. But you don't want to stagnate. So, you know, like every so often you want to narrow that channel and speed up the water a little bit. Yes. Whitewater kayaker. <laughs> it's still there in my heart. When you were a little kid, mm -hmm. did you move all the time? Um, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I would. Okay, when I was a little kid, I'd put on, I'd put on my, my cassette tape of cats. <laughs> dance around the house. Yep. We'd like, we'd roll up the rugs and, you know, have a nice slippery floor and slide around on it. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. You know, that, that was the era of let's go ride bikes. And it's basically let's just ride around and around and around the block, but mm -hmm. you know, up the hill and you get to coast down the hill. Cause that's awesome. Yeah. As, I mean, again, our bodies are meant to move. We yeah. know that as kids, yeah. we can't stop moving. True that. Did I mention I have a nine-year-old? <laughs> O-M-N-G. Sometimes like, no, I don't want to chase you around the house right now. Mommy's tired. Mm -hmm. And then mommy sucks it up because, hey, someday he's going to be 18 and not give a damn. Exactly. And then he'll be sitting on the couch. Yeah. And he'll be like, move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long way away, mama. Don't worry. I don't know, man. It's like, in a way, he's halfway there. Actually, literally. It's a little terrifying. Yeah. <sighs> Get back in your body and in your mind. Body centered, sits bones, spine. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Breathing into the back of the rib cage. <sighs> the back of the rib cage. I've never thought of that. Girl. Okay, Enlighten me, please. Right. Okay. So here's the thing with the back of the cage, and this is so the first time I was ever in a cadaver lab, it was fucking brilliant. Um, the thing that really like what? Okay, one of the one of the first things that really dropped because there were a whole bunch of like ah, wonderful thing moments. Um, one of the things that really dropped was looking at where the lungs are in the body. If you put your hands on the base of your rib cage, like if you take your first finger, you put in the base of your rib cage put the rest of your hands up mm -hmm. in your hands is lung. There's so yeah. much lung back there. Our lungs are huge, aren't they? They're enormous. If you take, if you leave one hand there, you put the other hand on top of your, on top of that shoulder. What's between your hands. It's pretty much lung. Yeah. That's a big thing. <laughs> These huge giant air sacs, which is why we can do the things that we can do because we've got ginormous lungs and we've got a ton of lung in our bodies. And it's great because it means we can breathe. And we tend to breathe, if you put your hand on the front of your chest and the back of your chest, most of us are going to breathe more into the front than into the back because we're also highly visual creatures and that's what we see. However, we have a lot more lung in back. We have a lot more diaphragm muscle in back. A lot more diaphragm muscle in back. And we can actually get a lot more air into our bodies by breathing into the back of our lungs, the base of our rib cage, 
than we can breathing in the front in our chests. What about belly breathing? Belly breathing is awesome. Yeah. And belly breathing is when, like really good belly breathing is when your diaphragm comes down and it squashes your internal organs out the front. Okay. However, really, really good belly breathing is when you're also breathing back into the base of your lungs. And if you try that, you put your hands in your belly, you just do like, okay, I'm going to puff out my belly. Inhale, exhale, that's awesome. Now you're going to bring a hand around to the back, to your lower back. Breathe back and forward at the same time. Is nice. Yeah. When you understand the structures, you can organize them. So now that you're becoming aware of exactly where your lungs are and how they function, and you've got tools, these things, the ends of your arms, they're amazing anatomy sensing tools. And so you can, you put your hands on your body, you see how they move like, Oh, when I move my arm, this part of my shoulder contracts, boom. And whether or not you remember that it's the medial deltoid or whether it's just like that awesome, like that thing, that thing on my shoulder looks really good in cap sleeves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my shoulders don't fit in cap sleeves, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I hear that. I got, you know, we need more clothes that fit people with arm muscle. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, but you can find out, you know, it's never a question of which muscles work. You might wonder what the names are, but all you have to do is you put your anatomy sensing tools at the end of your arms on whatever it is, you move it and you can feel the muscles contracting under your hands. Like you always have your cheat sheet with you. How much of the work you do with people centers around breathing? Um, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like the very first classes I taught, um, with a, a friend and fellow somatic anatomist, uh, fellow, fellow somatic movement therapist, actually. We call it the breathing series because you can literally breathe into every single part of your body. Not, you know, yes, your lungs are in your rib cage, but breath affects everything and not just because it brings in oxygen, but because it affects the movement of everything. Everything, everything, even your toes and fingers. <sighs> Deep breath, boss. <laughs> question mm -hmm. i've heard that ideally we're supposed to be breathing just through our noses when we exercise no yes <laughs> <laughs> it's the reason people tell you to inhale through your nose inhaling through your nose is a great thing and it's because inside our noses it's complicated we have swirly bits and hairy bits and mucusy bits and all that stuff basically helps to trap the gunk in our atmosphere. It helps to warm and moisturize the air that comes in. So when our, that air hits our lungs, it is warm, it is moist, it is clean. Our lungs are like, oh, this is lovely, which is great. Right up until we start getting into our cardio zones and we need some fucking oxygen pronto. In which case, we start opening our mouths and we get in as much oxygen as we can. It's actually, anybody who's ever worked out really hard, you find yourself bending over, putting your hands on your knees and like bracing yourself. Part of that is to remove the, the balance work that your core is doing so you can breathe into the back of your lungs and get more freaking oxygen into your body. It's kind of cool that our bodies will naturally do that to get more oxygen into our bodies. But yeah, 
nose is great up to a certain oxygen demand, but once your body hits a certain aerobic threshold, you need to breathe through your mouth or you're going to pass out, which is going to be really entertaining for everybody around you, but possibly- Who's just going to think, just open your mouth. Right? Yeah, just like open your mouth and let the air in because we have essentially, we can breathe through our mouths because we need to breathe through our mouths. Right. Because you know? when you swim, you cannot breathe through your nose. No. Oh, God. <laughs> I actually, when I used to coach swimming, I, um, I did have to explain that to a lot of beginners. Right? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Stop breathing through your nose. <laughs> oh <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you did because that, there's only so much chlorine you really want up your nose. Yeah. And again, there's that whole passing out thing. When you pass it in the pool, it's kind of a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the lifeguard panics and yeah. And it burns when you get water up your nose. Right. Yeah. It's unpleasant. So just don't do it. Right. Mouth. Mouth breathes. It's a good thing. What? I, I got one more question for you. And it's, it's not a defined question because I, you know, I could talk to you all day long. I just want to know, like, what is the, what is the one big thing? You've already said what you want everyone to know, but I mean, we've got a few more minutes here. What is it? What's your message? What's your mission? Or what's on your mind right this second? It's, I would say that understanding your body helps you make friends with it. Hmm. That, so one of the things I help people with when they're struggling to love their bodies mm-hmm. is this simple, let's talk about what your body does. Right. Like start with your fingers. Look at, look at this amazing structure that is your hand watch how it moves cool (laughs) like like could you do this consciously yeah this is wacky you couldn't have created this right no just gotta figure it out and be like wow watch a baby watch their hands oh my god it's so cool Mm -hmm. this what does it do Ooh. yeah that's super neat but yeah it's and again somatics it's not just a metaphor understanding you know i I guess acquaintance knowledge brings understanding whether you're talking about your own body whether you're talking about other humans whether you're talking about something that is unfamiliar to you if you take a little time to learn about it then it opens your mind in really awesome ways you know, like I said, whether you're, whether you're talking about people, whether you're talking about your own body, when you, from in, if we keep it to the body, when you understand your body, then suddenly you understand what you can do with it. You know, you get that like, oh, now I know where the, you know, the center of gravity is in my skull. Oh, that makes me totally organize my head differently. Oh, where is it? I don't have headaches. Center of gravity, so right in front of your ears, go up right about an inch. That's your center of gravity. Like where your um, Frankenstein things would be? Exactly. Where, where, where your forehead bolts would be. I guess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, just above, you know, the, the front of your ears. Huh. Let's see. Where's the... Yeah, because it, what, it, what it is, is if you, you know, you stick your fingers underneath your ears, one of my favorite things, you find this little like upside down triangle of bone right behind your ears. Mm-hmm. Just behind that and a little bit down, you might feel 
something kind of hard and maybe a little tender that doesn't like being poked. Right now, you have your first cervical vertebra between your fingers. That's the top of your spine. Huh. Isn't that cool? I mean, seriously. So yes, you're holding the top of your spine here. And if you go straight up, when you get just above your ears, that's the center of gravity. Because that's the first cervical vertebra, like C1 there, that's, that's the joint. That's the balance point of your head there. It's like the, the fulcrum of the seesaw. However, it goes up. So you need to go up a little bit to find that balance point. And if we are looking at our phones all day, Mm, we can we can use our these things the ends of our hand of our arms and we can lift up our phones so that our head can stay balanced. A, a chiropractor friend of mine once recommended you know like one hand across your chest kind of rest your elbow on that hand then boom look your hand is in front of your face put insert phone right it's. This is the great thing about New York City. You know, you've got your backpack, you sling your backpack off, you prop your elbow in your backpack, you've got your phone right here. Of course, nobody else ever does that. Come on, all you New Yorkers, I want to see you propping your elbows on your bags to look at your phone, not putting your phone in your lap and like having your head fall off. Yeah. And start looking at people's heads. Start seeing the, like, I, I saw one teenage boy once, his, it's like his neck went straight out from his shoulders. It's all I can say is anybody who works in post rehab or works in injuries, we're going to start seeing people younger and younger and younger. Yeah. It's like, I mean, already people in their thirties are showing up with a kind of back pain. You didn't get to your forties and fifties mm. because I mean, your, your head, that's like a bowling ball balanced on a pencil. When you balance it, it's, it's like an orange on a toothpick. Right. So I married an ax murderer. <laughs> So when that bowling ball or that orange starts moving forward, you have to work really hard to keep the damn thing from falling on the ground. Mm -hmm. Off, you have big problems. So your body, helpful critter that it is, is like, no, don't fall off, head. But there's only so much the body can do. So you need to be like, oh, center of balance of my head. I'm going to balance that over the center of my pelvis. All right, here we go. So good. Yeah, and now I can breathe, right? Right. Because when you bring your head forward, notice what happens to the base of your ribs. Yep. Bring your head back and balance. <sighs> right? Right? Boom. Mm. <clears throat> and when you're aware of these things, then you notice when they're not happening, too. So that's part of my mission is to like bring awareness to the world. Be aware of your anatomy. And then make it your friend. You're like, this is one of my love languages. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just body and mind, all one, all connected, all friends, mm -hmm. all madly in love with each other. Right? And gosh, it's a, a friend of mine uh, who is, you know, who's also a body mind, mind practitioner, Jonathan Sugai. Shout out to Jonathan. Um, made it really clear to me at one point, I was talking to him, I was like, bye, you know, all these things are going on. He's like, okay, what is your mind telling you? I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay, what is your body telling you? I'm like, oh, like, right. When your mind and your body are telling you two different things, which one do you listen to? I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count, my friends. 
It's not your mind. No, always the body. Yeah, like always. your mind makes things up. But as it, you know, my friend who I started teaching with, what she says is there is no fake news in the body. Like your body is always telling you the 100% actual truth. You just need to get out of your brain and listen to it. Yeah. And it's easy. It's easy to get out of, you know, it's easy to get into your brain. Your brain is a nice place to be. There are blinky lights and, and cerebral cortexes and things. There's so much to do in there. It's so busy. Your brain is definitely never bored. Mm-hmm. It's going to come up with all sorts of stories and mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas your body might just be chilling out. Yeah. Or your body might be, this is a bad situation. We need to leave now. And your brain's like, no, this is fine. Your body's like, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your body can be super chill or your body can be super wired. But either way, it is telling you the absolute truth. That's the other thing about the body. It's an antenna. Mm. You know, we all, we all vibrate on, you know, movement is vibration, essentially. Like on some level, movement, vibration, it is all the same thing. And life is also vibration. So we pick up the vibration of other things around us. And I say that as somebody who used to be almost literally allergic to the word chakra. I have, I've gone over to the other side now, um, mostly because there are just too many things that have not been tested yet that still are reproducible. So that's, you know, that's, I've, I've found myself being like, okay, intuition is a thing. Vibrations are a thing. And understanding the relationship between intuitions, vibration, the mind and the body is actually really, really helpful. So. Have you watched the documentary Heal yet? I haven't. I don't watch a lot of TV right now. Because I don't watch TV. This, is, this one's on Netflix, um, which is also, I don't use a lot of, do a lot of that, but I highly recommend this one. And one of the things we watched a couple nights ago, one of the things they talked about was, when the body and mind are relaxed and in sync, uh-huh. the energy flows smoothly. When they're not, it's jagged. And they showed a little image of the jagged energy. And I was like, that's what I feel. Yeah. I've said to people before, I've been like, you okay? Your energy feels jagged. Yes. And people are just like, okay, you're a little weird. But I feel it. Right. Just super jagged right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, honestly, it's not that much of a stretch. I just think there's nobody funding sexy research right now. Right. Because a ton of research on say the placebo effect and the placebo effect. It's real mind, body, mind. Yeah. Things. Even, even things like when you take a painkiller, you start to feel better a lot faster than that painkiller actually hits your neuroceptors. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not all in your head, or maybe it is all in your head, but. But your body and mind are connected because they're the same. Right. Your body and mind are connected and they, you know, your body figures stuff out and your body is an excellent receptor and antenna for figuring out what's going on around you. So if you're feeling a little weird in your body, maybe check in with your body. Your body might be telling you something very useful. Like, yeah, you, you should not be here or you know what? You need to go over there and talk to that person right now because that person is awesome. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it's telling you. Mm. Let your body lead. 
your body lead. And it's an interesting thing to do sometimes. Yeah. You know? It's one of my favorite things to do. Right? The mind drives way too often sometimes. Yeah. Mind gets in trouble. Mm -hmm. I don't like the road the mind takes. <laughs> the mind can go, the mind often takes the, not so much the path of least resistance, the path of most resistance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like sometimes it's just really refreshing. Nope, we're going with body right now. Yeah, it's like the mind wants to see all the things along the way. Yes, and the mind wants to make up stories and the mind wants to figure out exactly what's going on and it takes you out of the moment. Yes. Like I said, I'm not saying the mind is a bad thing. The mind sometimes helps us figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes so does the body and I think the body does not get enough credit. So it's interesting, I'm thinking of that phrase, mind over body right now. So would you change that? I would say on occasion. Just to stick that in at the end. Like sometimes, sometimes it needs to happen, you know. But when it really, really, really needs to happen, like if you are running from that tiger, your body is right there with your mind. Yeah. Like in an emergency, your body's like, great. All the energy you want, you got it. Mm -hmm. Crash is going to be a bitch, but we don't care because we're going to be around for that crash. Yes, we are. Exactly. Tiger. <laughs> like, oh. you your ankle? We're ignoring that right now. Yeah. Tiger, run. Yeah. So it's, I, I would say that, I would say the body can get into bad habits, especially around food and lack of movement because our bodies, you know, our, our minds and our bodies like routine. We like to get used to things. We're like, okay, we're going to set it and forget it. We're, we're, you know, we've got our fill in the blank routine. We're good with that. And it's not always necessarily healthy or good for us. And that's the point at which you're like, okay, yeah, maybe the mind needs to say maybe a few more green smoothies, maybe a few less bags of Cheetos. Oh God, I do love me some Cheetos. <clears throat> Anyhow. <laughs> Balance. 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 Green smoothies first. Then maybe a few Cheetos. Yes. But yeah, it's like when your when your body gets into the habits of that are not so healthy for it, then you have to be like, all right, you know, yes, I'm going to eat more vegetables. How do I eat more vegetables? I'm going to come up with my cerebral cortex. I'm going to come up with some good ideas to figure that out and make it work. You know, when the body's like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym, that's when you're like, yeah, come on. Yep. You're never sorry you went. You're just sorry you're going. Lisa, this has been amazing. Thank you. I had fun. <laughs> How can people learn more about you? Um, you can go to somaticanatomy.com. You can, I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook as well. Also, Somatic Anatomy. S-O-M-A-T-I-C-A-N-A-T-O-M-Y, Somatic Anatomy. Seven nice champion, Piach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are awesome. Thank you so much. You are awesome too. This has been super fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app 
and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.